1: Let's kick off the conversation here this morning, though, with the issue of tipping, the topic of tipping. If you feel like uh, the practice of tipping has changed or expanded, you're not alone. It feels like we're being prompted more often. And when we are being prompted, uh, it feels like these amounts that are being suggested are higher. So what's driving that? What's going on? How are people supposed to react? How should we navigate all of this. It's a really interesting uh, piece in the Globe and Mail this week, kind of exploring all of this. Uh, Joining us to talk more about it is the author of that piece. Uh, Corey Mintz is a writer. He's also author of The Next Supper, The End of Restaurants As We Knew Them. Corey, great to have you with us here this morning. Welcome to the program.
0: Good morning, Rob. Thanks for having me.
1: I mean, can we say conclusively, objectively, that there is just more of an expectation these days that we tip and and that the expectation of how much we tip is is higher?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Rob. It's called tip creep, and it's hard to quantify it, but objectively, absolutely. Not only are we seeing more places where we are expected to tip, we are seeing an increased percentage in how much to tip. And when I say expected I mean we've moved past the analog era in which we all grew up with a sort of expectation that when you go out to eat uh, you sit down the bill comes and then you have to calculate based on your personal life experience what additional percentage you're going to add on to the bill right. um, be it by cash or credit card and these days you 99% of the time pay through a tip terminal and at the end just before you pay it gives you what's called a tip prompt which is usually four options, three different percentages and a no tip option. And we're seeing that A, more and more different types of businesses. We're seeing it in I think it's almost ubiquitous in bakeries and cafes, depends on what kind of businesses you go to on bald, so I don't know how, how far it's uh, made inroads to the barbershop. Um but the actual percentage of that have also gone up from the sort of maybe ten to twenty percent range to ten depending on the type of business to I'm more commonly these days seeing eighteen to thirty percent.
1: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, all, all these numbers are arbitrary to to a large extent. But wh- why? I mean, why do you think we're we're seeing? Because you know, for the people who own the restaurant, for example, I- is it on them? Do they have a vested interest one way or the other? Do, do they want to encourage higher tipping percentages?
0: I don't think it's so much uh, a question of want as much as need. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tipping has always been a problem, one that really hasn't been dealt with either within the industry uh, internal as a matter of practice or culturally without in terms of how the general dining public understands how tipping works. But without addressing those issues, the restaurant industry has been really squeezed by the last two years, obviously by the um, the, the, the extinction level event that was the COVID-19 pandemic and the closures that almost seemed um, genetically t- modified to target the hospitality and tourism industries. You know, they faced two years of openings and closings, having to let their staff go, hiring them back, all these challenges. And along the way, they faced a a generation kind of defining for their industry uh, staff revolt, in which about a third or a quarter of workers have just left the industry entirely Um which, which, of course, incurs um, more competition for a smaller pool of workers, which means raising wages, uh, and at the same time, unbelievable inflation. You know, all the inflation that we've seen the last year reaching a height of 7-point-something, once that sort of national inflation rate reached that stage, it was almost double that for food. So they've seen their food costs go really through the roof, and all those raising costs have meant, getting to my point here, having to raise menu prices, which is kind of the third rail, in restaurants, mm-hmm. there's always been this philosophy, if I raise my prices, my sandwich costs me a little more, costs my customers a little more, they're gonna go across the street to Rod's restaurant where those sandwiches are a little cheaper. Yeah. And what happened last year is everybody had to raise prices. And the reason we're seeing all this tip, tip creep and tipflation is because t- t- tipping has always been a mechanism used by restaurants to offset menu prices and artificially keep them low by expecting customers to pay that last fifth of the menu bill voluntarily.
1: Right. Well, that, that addresses the situation in restaurants. The other part of the tip creep that we talked about is we are seeing tip prompts in places we're not used to seeing them. Uh, bakeries, cafes, as you note in your piece, even in reta- other retail settings. So what's driven that?
0: I think more of the same pressure. And by the way, I apologize. It calls you Rod. I'm sorry, if it's Rob. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're under the same kind of pressure, which is more competition for workers, more inflation. Ultimately, facing that that squeeze between having to raise prices and worrying about the you know the price elasticity, which is the the the, the relationship between how much prices raise versus how much demand, consumer demand decreases. And the fear is always, I can't raise my prices too much. So what if, instead of paying my staff more, what if I introduce a tip line and that brings in some more revenue and I can use that to pay my staff without giving my customers sticker shock? Because ultimately they're all up against the same thing. Uh, With a smaller pool of workers, workers are more emboldened to stand up for what they need and what they should have, which is very different from, I think, a traditional argument over minimum wages. You know, Alberta the minimum wage is $15 an hour, but an actual living wage in Calgary is twenty two forty. So when you've got workers saying they need that much, you know, to be paid to work and live in the city, um, employers of all stripes are sort of trying to figure out, well, I, I can't pay people twenty two forty an hour. What if I can chisel a few extra bucks from the customers?
1: Well, where does that leave the consumers? Because I think people are, are sympathetic to, to the plight of workers. Uh, I think people are, are comfortable with the idea of tipping in, in restaurants. It's become, you know, just just second nature when it comes to the restaurant experience. But at the same time, you know, we're all being, you know, nickel and dime too. We're we're all feeling financial pressure, and so it's it's tough to navigate all of this.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think we all want, you know, when we're a regular someplace the we can always go somewhere regular uh, on a regular basis and have a bad meal sometime or a bad haircut, whatever, whatever the thing is, we can go. you know, they had an off day, but that's the difference in losing trust. I think the trust uh, that businesses have with their consistent client is really important. And this is the kind of thing that breaks them. I think customers want to just be honest about it and not be sort of, um, hijacked at the payment terminal this moment where there's people standing behind them and they suddenly have to make a decision really quick. Um, Because most people don't know how tipping works and they shouldn't be expected to. Um, Most economists don't know how, how, how tipping works. Uh, I I think the customers are just understandably frustrated because the rules that they've been taught their whole life, you tip 15% here, 20% there, whatever they are, have basically been thrown out the window in place of businesses saying, you know, we all kind of have to be grown-ups and say, here's what it actually costs to produce our goods and services, and here's what we need to charge customers.
1: It was interesting, you note in your piece that as you've done a lot of writing on this, there's been some academic sources, go-to sources that you've used. Uh, One of them was being interviewed recently and asked about all of this. He said, quote, I don't know how much you're supposed to tip and I study this. So even people who study this for a living seem confused by how much things have changed.
0: You know, that's, that's Michael Lynn, professor at Cornell, who's been studying tipping since the late 80s. And I remember when I spoke with him, I interviewed him, for my book and i asked him that for me which was the big question the difference between a ten dollar sandwich with a two dollar twenty percent tip is the same as a twelve dollar sandwich with no tip what is so confusing about just pricing things like that <laughs> uh, and his response he could be right or wrong was people hate math <laughs> it, it's <laughs> as simple as that um but he's he's looked at tipping from so many perspectives pros and cons he's he has quantified the, the way that it exacerbates all the abuse that happens within the restaurant industry, the sexual, gender, age-based discrimination, um, the way it uh, uh, disfavorably pays front of house, which is uh, uh, servers, more than back of house, which is kitchens. Uh, and, and yeah, he's kind of throwing up his hands in that quote to CNN saying, I damned if I can figure it out. And if he can't figure it out he has been studying it for three years, what chance does the average consumer have when they're getting their bagel and coffee and they have a split second yeah. to make that decision?
1: I mean, are we ever going to get away from this? I know there are countries where tipping is really not a thing. I know there have been attempts here and there, restaurants. We hear, you know, in Canada or the U.S. that, hey, we're doing away with tipping. We're going to raise menu prices, you know, pay our, our staff, you know, 20 or $25 an hour, whatever it is. And then, it really doesn't catch on. I think inevitably some of those restaurants end up switching back. Are we, just, are we kind of stuck with this this tipping culture?
0: You know, was, the, Professor Lynn was the one who pointed out, you know, going back to the 70s, this, this kind of, it's a cyclical conversation. Every five or ten years, there's kind of a movement to get rid of tipping and people like to point to this restaurant group, Union Square Group out of New York that made a move to get rid of tipping across all their restaurants and then had to go back for the most part, the smaller independent restaurants that really put in the effort. And I've, I've worked with them. I, I've worked with one as a consultant to help them do that. They don't go back. They stick with it because it's really important to them. And it's making the changes all about communicating this with their customers. And I heard from one of these restaurants recently said it's almost a year later, we've held on to our sales, our profit margin, and most importantly, our staff, which is our biggest worry. We're worried our front of house people would go across the street, go somewhere where they can make better tips. But this is still an infinitesimally small portion of the restaurant industry as a whole in general we're not moving away from this anytime soon you know every interview i do it brings up the subject that the general public really doesn't know but the sort of predominant narrative that people expect is no tipping is how you ensure good service cuz without this how could we possibly motivate people but you know your doctor doesn't work on tips your 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 accountant Your dentist doesn't work on tips. They charge you with their services, your work, and people motivated by a sales percentage is called a commission. The difference is commission is baked into the actual cost of the car. You don't buy a car and then decide how much to tip the salesperson on top of that. So it's such a baked-in part of our culture going all the way back to the Civil War where you know post-slavery, formerly enslaved people were basically like, introduced to this form of of compensation rather than paying them a fair wage and over the last century it got codified into laws in canada and the united states to pay people a lower minimum wage and along the way we just accepted it much the way we used to accept smoking in restaurants you know it it took so long to try to get rid of that there was so much lobbying for and against but for a long time we thought how could you possibly have restaurants without smoking uh, and then we did that for the most part in Canada. It's not impossible, but it, it requires an actual um, public will like the, you know, cancer conscious public health movement that that helped eliminate smoking in bars and restaurants. I don't see that happening anytime soon with tipping.
1: No, probably not. Uh, your piece is mentioned. It's up at the globe dot com. We also mentioned uh, your book called The Next Supper, the end of restaurants as we knew them. Uh, Corey, appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much for making some time for us here this morning.